everybody. Welcome to the Curated Podcast. My name is Kendall Becker and I am your host, but I am also a fashion editor and trend forecaster, meaning that I hear a lot of incredible stories throughout my career. Oftentimes, I don't have the perfect fit for these stories, but I knew that they needed to be told. So welcome to the Curated Podcast, a platform dedicated to sharing passion and purpose and curating a life path that is perfect for you, whatever that may look like. Tune in weekly for conversations with global creatives in fashion, luxury, hospitality, wellness, and so much more as we discuss the why in life. And stay tuned for a couple bonus solo episodes as well. Let's dive into this week's episode. I'm chatting with Bella Gerard. She is a freelance editor, writer, and content creator. But prior to all of that, she got her start at iconic publications like Elite Daily and Women's Health, eventually working her way to the fashion and lifestyle editor role at Stylecaster. These days, Bella is freelance and one of my favorite freelance co-workers. We love getting to work together. You can probably catch us at the Crosby Street Hotel. Bella writes for amazing publications like Bustle and Birdie, and she's really known for starting conversations around body positivity, controversial trends, and she also had an iconic Q&A on her Instagram chatting about best practices between editors and publicists. Ahead, Bella and I chat about the future of media, what the current landscape is like, and the date in the life of a freelancer. I'll stop talking and let Bella tell you her story for herself here. Hi. Hi. Thanks for joining me, even though I see you every day. Yeah, Kendall and I are going to act like we haven't been together for the last hour eating our bodega sandwiches no, and talking trash. No, but. literally. It's like, okay, now let's pretend to be on an interview. But okay, nonetheless, tell me about yourself. How did you get here? Of course. So right now I'm 27 um, and I'm currently freelance. But before that, if I'm backtracking, I graduated from Georgetown in 2017. I was an English major which they didn't have any kind of journalism major, so that was the best I could do. I had a poetry focus. That's good. I love, the poetry focus kills me. Yeah, college is expensive. Study what you like, but also be like honing your writing skills if editorial is the thing you want. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so I did that, worked on our like campus lifestyle blog, pretty mm-hmm. much the beginning end of fashion of Georgetown. Like that was all it was. <laughs> and while I was there, I really prioritized internships. So I interned at Health Magazine in their photo department, mm-hmm. which was like, print glory days like photo shoots all the time it's so interesting you were in the photo department yeah it was the only internship they had and I wanted to work at time inc so bad that Mm -hmm. I'm now for those who don't know time inc was acquired by meredith was acquired by dot dash it's long gone but the age of time inc was so iconic to me anyway so iconic like the building was gorgeous Mm -hmm. it was such a name in publishing I was surprised when that one went away I was there the day that it was like acquired and the next morning you came in and everything was taped over like even in the bathrooms like they were like we're not timing anymore oh okay so it was crazy okay great normal things yeah but I worked in the photo department and it was really cool working at help because one day it would be like a photo shoot for food Mm -hmm. and then the other day it would be like Sophia Bush and interesting yeah and it was very much small teams because it really was kind of the end of that era of focusing on print so they would be like get her a hotel and get her ride there and also pick out the studio for the shoot even though you've never been to a shoot and do this that and the other thing um 
And it was a lot, but I really enjoyed working with the stylist. So I thought mm-hmm. maybe I would want to lean more fashion because I'm not healthy. So I knew I, I couldn't work at health forever. No, absolutely not. It not doesn't feel like girl. a journey for you. But also like, okay, so you didn't have a lot of fashion or a lot of journalism in college. Did you know that going into wanting to be in English journalism, that like fashion was going to be a part of that? Definitely. Well, I think there are really two ways to go about finding your career. There are some people mm-hmm. who need their passions to be part of their career because that fuels you throughout the day. Yeah. There are other people that need to do a nine to five job and turn off. And then at five o'clock, their life starts and their personality starts. Yeah. Some people feel like their passions get crushed when they put them into a work focus. Does that make sense? If you're a photographer, 100%. if you like doing photography and you become a photographer, you might be like, I never want to take another picture again. Right. So I didn't totally know that fashion was going to be part of my editorial journey. But I did also internships in beauty, and I originally decided to be a beauty writer. So I started in beauty. Right. Graduated, got beauty a job. Beauty girly. Yeah, kind of crazy now. I, I mean, know. I'm like a makeup girly, but I don't know. We can also have a whole talk about that. Beauty runs deep. Yeah. Be- beauty runs There's deep. There's like a lot that goes into The beauty that. industry is so much nicer than the fashion industry. God, so I- we missed it, but we're not going back either. So regrets, it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. But... Yeah, so when I graduated, I got a job at Health where I had interned a few times um, as a social media assistant. It was the only job they had again. I graduated with no job, so uh-huh. anxious, got a job like two days later, completely stressed at graduation for no reason. Oh, um, 100%. Well, I feel like so many other different majors, like they would have offers like six months leading up to graduation. Oh, yeah. And in editorial, it was like um, interview and then like your short date is in like two days. Like, good luck. Well, it Bye. was funny because at Georgetown, everyone is business and finance mm-hmm. and so I was the only one who graduated without a job I wasn't the only one like pivoting to editorial and then I got my job and I went to tell everyone and they were like oh great and I was like when do we all start and they were like oh we don't start till September October I thought everyone was working like the next day so I oh, started 100%. But... I started two weeks after graduation yeah yeah I like it that way though I don't really like to stand still for too long so it no was good I don't for know me. I would I would have gone crazy and like started a business for like no reason or something exactly yeah. so that was my journey I was so excited to be at health loved it so much and eventually I realized that I was enjoying the writing aspect of my job more than the social media. Mm-hmm. Social editors, especially now with TikTok, I don't know how they do it. It's so impressive to me. Oh my God. It's so many things at once. And all of our jobs are that way, but social editors, maybe more than anyone else. I and do not know how they do so it. it's so constantly changing too, where like, mm-hmm. if you know how to write, like that's your craft. And like, yeah, there's other aspects that change with it. But social, yeah. I mean, a new algorithm pops up every two seconds and a new platform every year. It's crazy it's also such a dual role where it's like hours of scheduling where you're just sitting at the desk scheduling posts but then it's also okay now go create fun content and it's like well now I'm brain dead because I just worked at the computer for 10 hours and you want me to film a fun Instagram reel like I don't know how like no the brain is brain would be off for the day absolutely not so that was hard but I really enjoyed writing for health okay and my stories were always top performing I really loved it so I decided I was gonna leave Right after the acquisition, actually, because, mm. like I said, the vibes had changed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, that's enough to change a vibe. Yeah, and I was still <laughs> so young, so I left, and I started working at Elite Daily as a beauty and style writer part-time. Uh-huh. So we're talking $15 an hour. This is my only job. Oh, yeah. So we're talking... That about- was my first job, <laughs> too, was like $15 really? an hour. And I was oh, yeah. elated. I, I loved that job. I loved my oh, boss, yeah. Teresa. was so amazing. Taught me so much, but very much $15 an hour four shifts a week and you're living in oh, New York. God. So it was a lot, yeah. but it was exactly what I wanted to do and I knew it was worth it. 
I'm also, Kendall knows, an awful eater. So the idea of having to have, like, ramen and Burger King every night, I was so down. Like, it was like, if I must. Yeah. I When I look back at that time, all I would eat was those, like, when you go to Trader Joe's and in the frozen section, there's, like, the chicken with the vegetables. Like, it's mm-hmm. a stir fry that's, like, so disgusting. It's like a glorified TV dinner, though. Yeah. That is all I ate my entire time mm-hmm. at, like, at an assistant level. That was I it. loved it so much. Realized that out of the beauty and style I was doing, I enjoyed the style more Mm -hmm. and when I was writing beauty I was always really known for like taking pictures so before and after pictures of a foundation of my eyebrow routine of things like that I really liked the content side and the photo side Uh and especially as the industry has gone so much more digital being able to do that is so important because a lot of really great journalists can't take a photo and don't care to that's not their thing no exactly digital journalists like us in beauty and fashion not all of us are you know New York Times writers Mm -hmm. so being able to have those other talents in your arsenal really goes a long way yeah absolutely it it's an easy way to get pigeonholed these days Mm -hmm. with like you know digital being so dynamic like you really have to be able to touch like multiple points it doesn't matter necessarily what they are but you have to be able to like combine and curate something exactly even now like photoshop is always really big thing when i was applying places and the only reason i knew photoshop was because someone couldn't do what i wanted and i was like i guess i'll figure it out then Mm -hmm. and now that's like such a thing so even with content it's like if you can't get someone to do what you want to do you have to have that skill set for yourself yeah and it's kind of stressful it's so stressful. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's extremely stressful. So, okay, so now you're breaking into the fashion side. Mm-hmm. What was, like, your first role then fully fashion? Like, what did you do after that? Yeah, so I want to say two years into being a writer at Elite Daily, Stylecaster recruited me for their fashion and lifestyle editor role, which was, like, the dream. Like, got the job, peed my pants, cried in public, <laughs> embarrassing. I was so over the moon. Like, as you should, that's a big role to just, like, jump to. It's amazing. beyond. I was so happy. And I did, I worked there two years and I loved it so much. Um, I had a good little team and we did so many new things for the site and just mm-hmm. tried so many new angles and weren't afraid to be creative. And it was a really good time. And it was also during a pandemic. So it felt great to have a job and a company that really supported us during a pandemic. 100%. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah, just a casual extra layer of like, okay, well, digital is the focus. So like, how are we doing this and how are we showing up? And having to pivot, like that was so interesting because for me to be a fashion editor and two months in then be like, no one's buying anything but slippers was so hard because I was like, I have all these ideas for editorials and I would have to wait like a good year and a half until we were shooting celebrities, until we were doing covers, stuff like that. So I can't believe you started two months before. Yeah. That is so wild to think about. Yeah. It was crazy. And I actually started February Fashion Week that week. So I went in the office, met everyone, and immediately went out to Fashion Week. And it wow. was my first Fashion Week as an editor. So a lot of people who work in beauty aren't necessarily sitting at the shows. They're in the back, mm-hmm. like videoing the models getting their hair and makeup done and talking to the makeup artists and the hair. Right. And I had done so much of that and only really sat at a few shows. And then that was like sink or swim, you're going to everything, which was so awesome. Oh my God. That was, a, that's a cool way to jump in. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. But obviously now you're freelance. Yes. So obviously I'm freelance too. And it is such a weird world, but I feel like it's becoming such the norm and it's not easy, but it's really rewarding I feel like I need to shout it from the rooftops. Like, yeah, I was someone who genuinely would hear my friends who were freelance talk about loving it. And I thought they were lying. Like, call me judgmental. I am. I was like, you're lying. 
you want a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Everyone, every, the, the Miranda Priestley, the car, everyone wants this. I was, yeah. that was me. I thought everyone wanted this. Now that I am freelance, I cannot believe that I waited so long. I'm so much happier. I'm so much more inspired with everything I'm creating. Mm-hmm. I'm making so much more money. <laughs> an easy six figures doing what I love. Like, mm-hmm. It blows my mind and slowly I've been encouraging more and more people to go freelance as well. And it's not for everyone. A lot of people really like the structure. I don't know if I'll be freelance forever. I entertain discussions for the right jobs, but I love what I'm doing right now. It's just really so hard to beat with like editorial, for example. Like you get to pick what you're writing in a Mm -hmm. sense. Like you're pitching and you really... Like, the way I set it up is I make sure I'm doing things that I'm actually passionate about instead of when you're in-house, you're really like... I mean, you're a member of a team. Like, you're yeah. a team player, and you want to contribute in that way. I think everyone who's worked with me can say I'm not that much of a team player. <laughs> I'm a steamroller. I am. You're a steamroller. It's a bad thing, but to be freelance, you have to be that way. Because you, you are do. your boss. You are your finance team. You are the person pitching you out to get jobs. Like, yeah. But if you love hard work and hate busy work, you will love being freelance. It, that's a really good way to phrase it. Because I have people ask me all the time, like, I want to go freelance, blah, blah, blah. Like, what should I do? And not that I tell people that you shouldn't, but, like, genuinely really think about it. Mm -hmm. Because I think they see the, like, I'm working from Guatemala and, like, that's fun and sick and whatnot. But chasing your invoices is not fun and sick. No, it's not. I definitely, like I said, I make way more than I made before. Mm -hmm. But it is not linear. No. It will be like money drops and then famine. No, literally. Like all of a sudden you think you're like the richest bitch to have ever lived in Manhattan. (laughs) And then you're like, just kidding. Am I back to Trader Joe's stir frozen stir fries? And especially working in fashion, that can be so... I mean, when I first started, I was like, how does everyone look so good all the time and everyone's buying all these new things it took me so long to learn like the tricks of the trade everything's borrowed everything's rented gifted it's Mm -hmm. all a facade but I was like are we all making $15 an hour and like you guys are showing up in these luxury whatever (laughs) like did I miss a beat and of course you know it doesn't take a genius to figure out that a lot of people who work in editorial or pursue any kind of passion focused career come from money and had their chance to get that foot in the door Mm -hmm. and if that was you good for you that's great but it's definitely not everyone and sticking it out on the money that you make to do what you love can be really difficult oh absolutely I mean it's such a process that you're not just you have to realize that you're playing the long game Mm -hmm. and be okay with that and be okay with like seeing your friends who maybe like took that job at JP at me until the end of the year bonuses for my finance friends and I'm like bonus I'm like I guess I could give myself a bonus, but otherwise, that's not a thing that I'm getting. No, 100%. And, like, it cracks me up, too, is, like, every fucking 27-year-old man um, says that he's a <laughs> VP. And you're like, how are you a of VP? What? Like, literally of who and what? Exactly. But nonetheless. Um, okay. So, it's been your first year being freelance. Yes. What's, like, your biggest takeaway from it? My biggest takeaway is to diversify your income. If you don't have multiple streams of income and you are really waiting month to month for that one check to drop... I mean, I just think it would be extremely difficult. And you don't want to dip into your savings. You really want to be careful about what you spend. Kendall knows I'm a splurger. I'm a shopper. I don't shop a lot, but I'm happy to make a big purchase if I know what it adds to my wardrobe for like a Mm long-term benefit. What I'm saying is that go to Prada somewhat frequently. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we were saying we like to... Yeah, but I just... I definitely... was anti-influencer at the start of the influencer craze Mm -hmm. and now 
that I'm freelance, I rely a lot on content creation for my income in addition to editorial. Sometimes taking a lower rate as a freelance writer on a story so and then taking a brand deal to kind of supplement that income is mm-hmm. a really smart move for me. Yeah. And I actually love it because I love content creating. I mean, I'm on TikTok and I definitely never understood how the Instagram girlies did content. It looked very exhausting. Oh, it looks but so I find exhausting. TikTok to be a lot easier. It's not easy. Yeah. But it's easier for me to do a daily vlog on there than it is to take a perfect picture for Instagram. Like that one still frame. Yeah perfect picture I found so hard but on TikTok it's like perfect content doesn't perform anyway no so it's a lot more relaxed and from there I've kind of been able to diversify my income in the sense that I'm doing brand deal money I'm doing editor money freelance Mm -hmm. writer money and I also consult girls that want to work in the industry so if you're listening to this podcast that could be you so message me so hint hint there you go exactly I very much agree with that I think that's been like one of my biggest learnings too and a lot of times when I talk to people they have I mean, firstly, they have, like, no idea what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, you're an editor. You're this, you're that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I make majority of my money from trend and doing consulting. And if I didn't have that, I would be stressed every single day. Mm-hmm. I always say that Kendall has really done a good thing for herself. There are tons of trend forecasters out there and mm-hmm. tons of trends writer and reporters. But there are even more fashion writers. And at, yeah. at some point I was a fashion writer and, you know, I technically am now I'm a fashion editor, but I do a lot of writing more than editing these days. Mm-hmm. And having that trend niche is what makes her stand out. For me, yeah. I feel like my niche is more first person content, voicey content, um, yes. try ons. People will usually hire me because they know I'm going to take my own imagery and it's not mm-hmm. going to be stock and it's not just going to be e-com imagery. So if there's not a specific thing that you do well, you don't have to over-niche yourself and only be writing and pitching that kind of work, but people should know you for doing a certain thing, and it really benefits you. Yeah, I agree, especially as a freelancer, too, mm-hmm. where, like, it really makes sense of, like, like, you even, for example, have, like, commissioned out, like, forecast-centric pieces to me. Totally. And I like that I come to mind of editors, like, oh, Kendall does this really well, or, like, that makes that voice, and that makes sense. That's so true. I was Kendall's editor at Soundcaster yeah. for a few stories. I right? That. Yeah, so That's fun. crazy. Um, I want to circle back to TikTok though. Okay. So being that such like a big part of your business now, like tell me about that transition of first of all, like going from full, full-time editor to then being quote multi-hyphenate, but being, I feel like it's a kind of a mindset shift that would being okay with that, embracing it and then integrating it into your life of like, okay, yeah, I do TikTok brand deals. Now I have to make time for this in my day. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because, like I said, I was definitely one of the judgier people who was like, why are influencers at editor events, this and that in the beginning? Mm -hmm. And we all kind of were. And, you know, we started a little gatekeepy because we had worked so hard and climbed our way up. But at the end of the day, creative people are going to thrive, whether they blow up on TikTok overnight or whether they've been working in the industry for years. And I do respect those people, however they got there. Mm -hmm. Um. It's really interesting because I'll always consider myself an editor first and a creator second. Yeah. But I can also tell like this fashion week, <laughs> I could tell what brands were sitting me, seating me as. Like if it was a more oh, yeah. genuine fashion brand and I was being seen as an editor, I'd get a better seat. Mm-hmm. And then some brands that just wanted social coverage that saw me as a content creator would put me in a better seat for that reason. 100%. So you it's can really, always tell what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's very much Hannah Montana vibes of like a dual life. Like I feel like editor me and influencer me I still don't like that word I really like content creators a little better for me but 
they're two different girls. Like, uh-huh. there's a blonde wig and a brunette wig. So it can be interesting to, like, marry them <laughs> together. Because personality-wise, they're the same, but what they bring to the table is kind of different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so interesting to me. But I also really liked, as an editor, being backed by a brand to say... I'm with health. I'm with Stylecaster. Whereas when you're an influencer, you're I'm with myself. And that has yeah. to be enough to entice brands. So it's, having, it's a little scary. Right? Like having a name gives it extra level of comfort that you don't get. Whether you're a content creator or if you're a freelancer. So you really are like putting yourself out on the line a little bit more. So I, I do have mad respect for influencers in that light. And mm-hmm. I think what's interesting too is those girlies that do blow up overnight so many of them don't stick around. And yeah. so I feel like that's something for me I always remind myself and like take it with a grain of salt. And I'm like, you know what? That's great that you're sitting front row now. And if you're really serious about this craft and if you really are diving in and like owning what you know what you want to be within the fashion industry, you'll stick around. And that's amazing and good for you. Definitely. And I think that that's why like you being an editor first makes so much sense that it's like I'm a content creator on top of this and why you still see yourself as an editor because it's that mm-hmm. like that's what's making you stick around is like that industry knowledge that you've gained. Definitely. There are people with better style than me, bigger closets than me, prettier than me, more fun to be with than me that people can follow. I disagree. Well, tough to be, <laughs> but there are people like that. But the reason someone is following me the majority of the time is because of my job. And mm-hmm. there was that whole BOF article about people wanting to follow influencers with jobs. Yeah. So if your job happens to look a lot like influencing, that's like a double whammy of interesting things. Absolutely. It's nice to have complementary mm-hmm. skill sets and jobs that like come together. It makes life yeah. just like a little bit easier instead but of being like, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a vet and then now I'm a finance bro. You can't do yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard to marry. <laughs> Although I've seen some weird ones. Like there's like a guy who chops wood on TikTok. So he's like an influencer. Oh my God, I've seen him chopper. too. Kind of love that. Like, like love that for him? Really niche? <laughs> but like go for it. Yeah, I just feel like once you start going to the same events that editors are at, that they're attending for work, and you're getting paid to be there, and they're just going, Yeah. and you realize, like I realized, wait a second, I would have went to this event as an editor for free, and now I'm paid to go to it? 100%. That's you start to I'm, feel a little silly. Like, um, Yeah, that's something that's really making me reevaluate my life and how often I post on TikTok now. It's interesting. I mean, TikTok <laughs> is crazy. It really does go up and down. And when I'm at my peak, it'll like immediately drop off. Mm-hmm. And as long as you create good, consistent content, even if your numbers or your engagement, you know, have highs and lows, you'll still be eligible for brand deals if people know you based on the quality of your content. I always yeah. say I'm not the influencer that can just wear an earring and sell 100 pairs, but I am the influencer that can give you a great video that then you can put paid promo behind and people will watch that video and then buy from there. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like I... That's kind of why I stick to content creator, not influencer. I have influencing power. I don't mean to you not do. toot my horn, but I more so can create the good content that you can then get in front of the audience you want. I agree. I think that that's a good way to put it because it really is like a very slight difference there. Yeah, but it, it is, is important and it's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I want to talk about like your take on the industry as a whole because I feel like <sighs> you're keeping it real out here mm-hmm. and I respect you for it and many people too. <laughs> But, like, you're down for some hot takes, which is fun. Definitely. So, okay, the other week, Bella did this really great Q&A between, like, 
PR people and editors and like just really bridging these gaps because there's a lot of walls up between these two sides of the industries. And you can, mm-hmm. you know, put influencers in the mix of this too. Definitely. But Bella does a great job of like breaking this down. Tell me a little bit more of like, how did you get a, how did you decide to do that? And then what's, how's it all spiraled from there? It came purely out of being nosy and also... <laughs> I have quite a bit of anxiety as a freelancer when it comes to my connections. I am lucky that I've been in the industry so long and I have such strong connections with my PR friends and the brands that I love to write about, but I just cannot answer a thousand emails a day as a freelancer the way that I could when I was chained to a desk. Yeah. So it becomes tough. So it originally started with me doing a like Q&A post on Instagram, like publicists and PRs, would you rather me have like a kind of an auto reply like thanks this isn't a fit keep it moving but nicer than that obviously yeah or no reply like what's better Mm -hmm. and then I immediately got so many responses I was like okay well I have you what's better here and what do you think about this and what do you know about that and then editors started replying like oh my god like these are the answers I needed so then I kind of said okay editors what are things that you wish PR knew Mm -hmm. and from there it snowballed I got probably over 600 dms not counting the actual answers to the questions, of which there were probably another four or five hundred. That is so crazy. It was really crazy. I, I think like, that's a lot to wrap your head around. That's it was like, actually a very stressful night. A lot of freaking DMs. Yeah, I'm stressed for you. And the problem is, no one was just like, "Love this." Everyone wanted to then have a deep discussion about their experience in the industry. Right, because people so, get heated about this stuff. It was very emotionally taxing, but in the best way, because at the end of the day, this industry is so much made up of young people trying to get their bag and also have an industry they like. So Mm -hmm. if it's the publicist's job to get coverage and it's your job to write a good story and you can work together, like you're not enemies. And sometimes when you have that many emails in your inbox and people hounding you and people texting you and DMing you about work and being a little bit inappropriate, Uh they start to feel like the enemy and that's just not the case. Like publicists work just as hard as editors, as writers, but in a different way. And the realty is that often it's the higher-ups at um, PR firms that Mm -hmm. are making them do the things that you don't like. So being vocal (laughs) as an editor and letting them know what you don't like in a polite way, not putting people on blast, don't get the intern fired. I don't know why some people like doing that. But if you give them something to show their higher-ups and say they don't like this, change will come about. And a lot of change did come about from that. I know one PR firm changed their entire pitching strategy just based off that Q&A, which was amazing. Just so wild. Yeah, so wild, so amazing. Has only helped them, in my opinion, from what I've seen. So. Yeah. No, it was super helpful. We started to get all these, like, questionnaires of, are you going to be in Art Basel or whatever it might be? And mm-hmm. so we actually noticed on these two. And it was so nice. I was super appreciative. Yeah, there were just so many, like, before we waste your time, this or that. And you were mm-hmm. able to answer and be like, I'm not going to that, so don't pitch me for that. Or, like, I am doing gift guides, so send me all the gift guides. Like, it made things so much easier. And what was really funny was for the about the next, like, week or two, every PR person I talked to was, like, I am writing my emails completely differently. And every editor was, like, I am answering completely differently. Right. (laughs) Like, we're all on our best behavior. And not only that, but editors were, like, I'm answering more emails than before. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying no to bad deals so one of the things we talked about was the uber code and how much Uh money in an industry where we already don't make that much and usually we'll make less than publicists which is really crazy because they're also quite underpaid yeah um how much money we spend ubering to events oh it's like sickening oh it's so nuts and And like first world problems even if you're in-house though too like keep in mind like your company is not comping that 
Most often not. Some no. places have expense budgets, but like if you're a writer mm-hmm. looking to build up your networking, you might not be able to expense every little event. They would sooner tell you to just not go to that event. Exactly. And it's different for different times of year. Of course, it's like mm-hmm. fashion week and there's a budget, but just like a random event on a Tuesday, like, yeah, good luck with getting that one comped. Exactly. And so, I mean, I can think of so many specific times of it's raining. Now all of a sudden Bella and I spent $80 to go to this event and we're like, for what? Like happy to have showed a face and like, you know, to showed up and been supportive and maybe it was a great event and maybe we were there for five minutes, but you still spent $80 to go to that. Or we talked about crazy. going to the event all week and then it came down to it and the Uber was $80 and we both stayed home. Yeah. And yeah. had every intention of going and supporting the brand, but I can't pay $80 to support your brand. Exactly. Basically, if you worked in any other industry, you would not pay to go to your office like meeting. No. You might pay to commute there, like, if it's your choice. But if you knew you were going to have six to ten meetings every single day that you had to pay to get to, you probably wouldn't do it. No, exactly. And what I love why you did this, too, is this industry is so built on, it's like a secret code. You know what I mean? There's, like, it's very, there's niceties that need to be done. The way that certain people interact, whether that be solely on the editorial side or editorial with PR or whatever it might be that you only learn from doing or having a mentor or from talking to other people. And I think that that's something that's really interesting kind of on a twofold is one for freelancers and two for the girls who are coming up in more of a remote setting is that you're mm-hmm. not getting the FaceTime of, you know, I remember having like my editors and mentors like telling me the moves to make or mm-hmm. how to respond or whatever that might be. And we really don't have those types of interactions quite to the extent that we used to. So I think those discussions are so important at these days. We definitely don't. And I also think the industry is so much more competitive and divided than it used to be because the new guard is coming in with so many digital talents. Mm-hmm. I can make TikToks on the side. I can do Photoshop even though I'm your writer. You know, where as people in the past were like, I can only do this one thing. Yeah. And I think there are fewer and fewer people who have been around for a while looking to help younger people Mm -hmm. and that can be really difficult you could be perfect at your job and you might not be able to stay you might not get a promotion you know the support is kind of out the window so we have to at least support each other on kind of like a lateral like everyone of the editors across the board is to support one another because you might not get that from your higher ups or your company or things like that right I've really honestly noticed such a vibe shift like Mm pre-covid and post-covid like I love going to events more than I did before now because I love to like interact with all of our peers within the industry there's Mm -hmm. is this more of like a banding together sort of mentality that's going on that like didn't always used to be there Definitely. I mean, we all definitely started talking about our salaries during the pandemic. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's part of the reason a lot of people went freelance. I didn't know what oh, anyone was making. Yeah. And now that I know, I'm like, wait, you do all that for that? 100%. And then they pitch you out to secure things for what? It's wild. It is so scary. And so many of us are young and talented and you cannot let your talent be taken advantage of. No, truly. Like, that's where I put my foot down and I... You know, I never say never on going back in house, mm-hmm. but it is so rare these days to really find like somewhere that really like respects you from all different aspects and yeah. it, it's concerning. So I, you know, I hope to see that things change, but yeah, we I shall mean, see how it all plays out. We over. won't name names, but there are certain, you know, publishing houses and firms that take a percentage of your influencer income 
or don't allow you to influence at all on the side, Mm -hmm. but won't give you a raise. (laughs) Right, but still won't give you the raise. So good luck making money. 100%. And And Yeah. It's not all about making money, but do a job you love and find a job you love, but also be smart enough about your future to know that money does matter to some extent. Mm -hmm. You don't need money to spend on designer purchases or go to Prada, but you do need money to pay your rent, have your food, have a healthy work-life balance. Right. And that doesn't always mean the dream job, so... I feel like there is more opportunity now than ever to find ways to A, make money, and B, have a job you love, and C, pursue your passion. And they Mm -hmm. may not be, like, that linear. No, it really might not be. So get creative out there. But (laughs) I – Get creative. It's a trial and error, but you can do it. Um, Okay. I want to hear about kind of, like, not, like, a peak and pit of your career, but something in that aspect of, like, do you have a really funny, like, assistant story and then, like, an I made it moment? I feel like you're going to have to, like, <laughs> cut and start again. A funny assistant story? Yeah. Like, I can remember so many moments I'm, like, oh, okay. you know, that are just really, like, traumatizing, but you yeah. look back now and they're funny. I have one from when I was an intern um, on a photo shoot with we, we were shooting actually I said her name before Sophia Bush for mm-hmm. health and they asked me to um go like run some errands mm-hmm. and I was like taping the bottom of the shoes blah 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 I think it was like time for her to start getting dressed and I'm so like in the corner waiting to take orders that I'm like standing right where she's about to get changed and they're like can you like move like get out of her <laughs> like I'm being a creep trying to stand there and I'm like cool I'm embarrassed and then the photographer's like, why don't you just go get me some cigarettes? And I was like, got it. Like, I'm sure. on the go. Okay. And then I tried to go buy cigarettes, but I wasn't 18 yet. And I didn't know that that was illegal because I don't smoke cigarettes. Oh. So I had to come back and be like, they wouldn't sell them to me. I'm so sorry. And then the photographer <laughs> felt like a jerk. I felt like an idiot. My boss thought I was an idiot. Then she was like, order everyone's lunch and just get like a few cookies, like a cookie plate. So then I order a cookie plate thinking it's going to be eight to ten cookies. This is all the same day. And it's um, 200 cookies. <laughs> and it's like $300. And my boss wasn't mad. She was so amazing. But she was like, I did say cookie plate. I didn't specify. Right. And, and I didn't specify to them. Um, and you were was, just like, maybe cookies might cost $300. I was like, can I get like, like a plate of cookies? Know. And they, they knew how many lunches I was ordering. They should have said... This is like a, a party platter, a wedding platter. Yeah, like rude. But I just remember leaving the office that day and being like, I think I did every single thing wrong. Like, oh my God. And yeah. like, I mean, it happens. Like, you're <laughs> going to make mistakes, but those are like funny mistakes too. Yeah. Thinking about it now, I mean, every time I walk by the place that I picked up the cookies from, I like twitch. Like, oh my God. I'll never be okay. Oh, with it. there's like certain corners where I'm like, oh, I cried in this Dwayne Reed, like, I remember this, or, like, every time I walked past 28th Street, I went on, God, it might have been, like, a five-hour journey for, like, the perfect piece of bamboo for a Cartier shoot, like, you're like, are you kidding? I had to go get, like, six different step ladders, and, like, I kept having to take them over the turnstile in the subway, because I kept having to subway back and forth, (laughs) and they just kept being like, it's not industrial enough, like... And they're all, like, metal. Oh, my gosh. Stuff like that when you're an intern, though, like, you literally come home and you're like, I did nothing for society today, but, like, my boss likes me a little more. Yeah. No, like, sometimes you're on a really, like, great high when you solved that super weird request. Mm-hmm. Also, my other favorite is, like, the rite of passage, I feel like, is having um, picked up balloons from Balloon Saloon. <laughs> balloon Saloon. <laughs> iconic. Forever iconic. That was such a good one, too. I don't know if that still happens these days with totally. us, like, not being in office, but, like, iconic. 
Speaking um, of crying on 28th Street, where is your favorite place in New York to cry for work reasons? Wait, mine was 28th Street. It was. Yes, or it might have been a really... It might have been lower. It might have been 23rd was the Dwayne Reed. That's a good one to cry. But that's that was mine. Mine was always Union Square. Oh. Union Square, you can fall. No one bats an eye. There's a Nathan's hot dog on the corner. You're going to mm-hmm. be fine. Like, perfect place to cry. Oh, my God. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. My um, Dwayne Reed also is, like, my ex-boyfriend lives over on that street. So, like, I really, like, I've really, that I'm traumatized wow. by You've that. You've been through it at that um, Dwayne Reed. Like, don't take me over there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, but more exciting. What's your peak, like, I made it moment? Ooh. We're making it. I think my peak, <laughs> I made it moment. Honestly, I'm sure there was one at Stylecaster where I was like, I am like the editor and I feel so amazing, but none of them are coming to mind because I'm uh-huh. so much happier freelance, <laughs> to be perfectly frank. So I'll just do my I made it freelance moment because when I went freelance, my first thought was like, oh my God, I'm not relevant at all anymore. Yeah. No one's going to like me. And ask Kendall, I basically stalked Kendall the two weeks leading up to Fashion Week and I was like, did you get this invite? Did you get that invite? Oh, what yeah. What seat are you? Because I was so concerned with not getting any invitations because when you are freelance optics do matter mm-hmm. and I was like I can't be seen leaving my job and not going to fashion week blah 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 it yeah, turned out I got your optics more, matter more yeah and yeah. it turns out I got more invites than ever and I actually did a brand deal with New York Fashion Week the shows yeah so I was just hoping to get invited meanwhile they're paying me to promote it and that was like top tier like you did it bitch so oh it was really incredible happy. I was in LA at the time and we were literally voice memoing like back and forth mm-hmm. every two seconds like we were together that the fact that when we did meet back up in New York we really didn't even notice that we hadn't seen each other for months I know um but to that extent if we were really like okay like this is gonna be a big week and yeah you blew it out of the water we went from like keeping track of each invite when we had like under three to having like maybe like 50 or 60 things and being like okay so we're only going to like 25 (laughs) max maybe like very overwhelming but that's also something really important to note is that I feel like Kendall is my coworker. like freelancers like trauma Mm -hmm. bond together oh yeah and it's really really helpful because the two things about freelance that we didn't talk about that are kind of hard Mm -hmm. other than the positives are not having coworkers. And, like, that's the downside of having total control is you are alone. You are. It gets really lonely. And it's not even, like, I don't know, maybe you're a stylist and you're alone when you're Mm -hmm. requesting. And then you go to a set and you're collaborating. But if you're writing, you're doing research, you're writing, you're doing all of that alone. By yourself. And it's so hard. And then the other thing is there's no KPIs. Like, there might be at a job. There's no, like, okay, we finished this quarter and you hit these goals. Good job. Anytime you finish something and get paid, you just start over and you pitch more things and you hope you get paid again. Like there is no, it's really important to set goals for yourself, like be on podcasts or start a podcast or Mm -hmm. do things that you can check off and be like, okay, how you, basically you have to redefine how you measure success because no one's measuring it for you. There's no HR keeping track of your growth. And so sometimes you can feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over and not expanding in any way. So you have to kind of create things for yourself to achieve and like keep track of them because no one's keeping track of it for you. That's a great point. I was really, really guilty of just extreme overwork my first Mm -hmm. like two years being freelance. And it was funny because I had always wanted to do like this nomad thing. And I always felt like, I was like, I need to be working more. I need to be working more. Like, I can't leave New York. Mm-hmm. And then I, like. And now you're never here. I know, I'm never here. I, like, <laughs> gave myself the reality check of, wait, I had one of my best years. Mm-hmm. No, not one of them. The best year. And I was sitting on a beach half the time. 
So Literally. you're like, it's fine. It's not that deep. Like you'll get through it. But it's not that deep is also like the most important <laughs> thing to like drill into people's brains. Like this is not that deep. Yeah. It is so intense, but it's not that deep. But it's not that deep. Exactly. Like two very different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. I also want to chat about obviously the podcast is the curated. Mm-hmm. So let's do some curation questions. Ooh. So we're already kind of talking about mindset, but diving into that, like, is there like, it might be a song, it could be a quote, or even it's a moment in life that, like, helped you curate your mindset that's kept you, like, moving on this track that you're on now. Ooh. Just a casual loaded question. Honestly, mm-hmm. this is dumb because I don't want her to be the person that I reference, but <laughs> <laughs> I was reading, um, I love Amy O'Dell. She's not the person I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I love Amy O'Dell, and I've been reading her Anna Wintour book. She's an icon. She's so and good. Like, people hated working with Anna Wintour in the beginning because they thought she was too headstrong and wanted to be the boss of everything, even when she wasn't. And as someone who has been yelled at for being in charge of everything when they probably shouldn't be, like, Uh I'm not a good delegator. I want it done my way for the good of the whole, but I'm convinced my way is You have good intentions. And I have good results. You do, yes. But... For some reason, hearing that people did not vibe with her at first was so therapeutic for me Mm -hmm. because not everyone's going to vibe with you and it doesn't necessarily always mean you're wrong. Sometimes it means they're intimidated. Not always, but sometimes. mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I found that very satisfying. So it's a really great read, but I find the ups and downs of her getting to her status way more important than her being like the Anna Wintour figure now. I love that. I feel like I've struggled with that a lot too. Of I'm like, like bookmarking the pages where she got fired. I'm like, love that for me. Love that <laughs> for me. Yes. But it is so true. Like, even if you have the best intentions, people are like, you're too ambitious or mm-hmm. you're too this, you're too that. And I feel like as women in general, like, I mean, that's a really big Anytime issue. someone says that to you, if there are results that prove otherwise, it just means that they're intimidated or threatened Mm -hmm. now if you're being told that and nothing is working out and you're not meeting your numbers maybe you do need to listen to the other people so you know yes don't think you're (laughs) have good self-esteem but like be willing to learn because one thing about me I love to be wrong and I love to learn so 100% you have to be self-aware or just yeah I'm a bitch but I'm a self-aware bitch yes yes and that's a really matters Okay, then I'm dying. I can't wait to hear your answer on this one. This is my favorite date question. Okay. So you get an app, a main, and a dessert, each with a drink pairing. And you get to curate your favorite meal. You can take it a step further and curate the vibes, curate here with, you know, whatever. This is so perfect. But I love this question. Wait, this is so perfect because this weekend I was talking about, like, your, like, death row meal in the order. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same thing. It's the same. I just... But a yeah. little lighter. Yeah, just taking out the loaded part of that. Okay, yeah. if I'm curating the vibes, um, I'm with my boyfriend, Pat. Like, we love and Pat. And we're on a date. And my app is either a charcuterie board where I eat all the cheese and he eats all the meat. Mm-hmm. Perfect balance. Okay, love it. Or a stuffed eggplant bread. Oh. Which is like my Italian coming out. Okay, yes. Um, And white wine, like a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh-huh. Or a Sancerre or something. Mm-hmm. My meal... Would either be like a carbonara mm-hmm. or like, I want to say Gavadil, but I know I should say Cavatelli, oh. <laughs> but a carbonara, Gavadil, uh-huh. some kind of thing like that. Also with white wine. And my dessert, I'm so Italian. I know. Would be my mom's homemade biscotti. Wait, the cute. Ends. <laughs> yeah. 
And more white wine. I'm not a big drinker. Maybe like an espresso martini. Espresso martini. Okay, yeah. It would yeah. be a full Italian vibe, though. That's very like, Italian vibe. Honestly, I could just go to Il Molino, actually, and eat anything there, and I'd be totally thrilled. I was so. really wondering what you were going to say. I was really? like, are we going to bring in something like really silly? Was that, well, it would either be that or like KFC. Like the jump is, okay, yeah. there's a jump. Yes, that's that's what I was wondering so, if that was going to get thrown in there. It's either like a mm-hmm. very classy or like a biscuit from KFC. So it's Fabulous. Depends. Both amazing in my mind. I mean, yeah, 100%. That sounds like a great one. And obviously no vegetables. No vegetables. No, none of those. (laughs) Okay, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Even though I'll like end this, then we're going to sit here and probably talk even longer. Yeah, I mean, we're at my house, so we're going to stay here. Nonetheless. (laughs)